Hey everyone, it's Sarah Mason from the Herald and Modcast here on the HMC Network. And I'm sitting in the studio with Pav Grahola, who is the VFX lead for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hey, Sarah. Hey, thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me back. Well, yeah, this is part two of our conversation. Yeah. We spoke, I don't know, was it a year ago? A year ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, about the film and you couldn't say a whole ton no. of a lot so we talked a lot about your background and all the yep. cool stuff you've done on the harry potter films and yep. uh you teased us a little bit with this film and now it is nominated for an oscar <laughs> yeah it's crazy huh and the winner of the golden globe yeah for yeah. best animated feature yeah it's like it's a it's such an honor to be involved in that film and i remember last time we chatted i was saying to you it's going to be really different you just wait and see you did i <laughs> and it's not going to be like any other 3d film and yeah I'm, we're just so happy with the way it's been received yeah well and it's also made 326 million worldwide right and gotten you know uh, tons uh, just everyone's excited about this film yeah and it, it, I, the story of Miles Morales, which this is, it's the origin story essentially, but it also ties in all the different universes for those not familiar with the comic story of Spider-Man. Like myself. Yeah, okay, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there are there are other Spider-Man universes out there, not just Peter Parker, although Peter Parker is very much involved. Uh, it, this is a, a, a really kind of unique story about this young uh, African-American slash half Puerto Rican, half um, African-American kid uh, in New York named Miles Morales. And he is, you know, he gets bit by a spider and he becomes a Spider-Man. But he also kind of intersects with Peter Parker and then the others. And I I think that's really resonant. I mean, it's you're coming out at the same time as Black Panther, which also was nominated for Best Picture and you know made so much money. And it's i mean what are your thoughts on this in terms of how and why it's resonating so much i think um part of it it's a kind of combination of all sorts of things that worked out like the whole diversity angle is definitely something that's that's helped the film like um and also just the fact that the film looks so different and is so yeah. true to the comic books not, not not only in terms of the story and the way it's written, but also in terms of visually, like how it looks is very, very true to the films. Yeah, I mean... Very, very true to the comics. That's something really interesting because it kind of goes back to that, you know, hand-drawn look. Yep. I mean, you've got... And also there's the bubbles. There's, you know, there's hacking. There's, like, the little bubbles. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff from, like, actual comic books in there. Yeah. And it, it, what was... How did that process come about and why you know in terms of the vision for this like can you talk a little bit about uh, yeah, that yeah sure so at the beginning of the film it's funny like that when we started on this film there was a very small group of people working on it like mm. at the beginning and like any show you start with a really small group and right. then it ramps up to a huge crew towards the end yeah like in the end by the way there was 800 people that worked on i this know film. it's like a small army like know, reading the credits i was yeah. like looking for your name and like <laughs> yeah. there you are i know yeah <laughs> so i was lucky enough to be one of the first people on the show like, oh, so, wow, that's yeah, a big deal. On, on the Imageworks side. So Imageworks is the company that I, we work for. So th- there's Sony Pictures Animation, right. w- which is ba- essentially the client of Imageworks. Okay. So Imageworks produces, makes, makes the films for Sony Pictures Animation. Right. So, so, uh, so I work for Sony Pictures Imageworks. So when we started on the film, we knew that our goal was to recreate the look of comic books, okay. essentially. That was our brief. So the produ- um, Justin Thompson, who's the production designer on the show, is an amazing artist mm. and he oh, well, he gave, yeah. he gave us really really clear brief that he definitely did not want this film to look like a tr- traditional 3D animated film. Okay. And he, he him and he, and his team made some amazing artwork for us and their goal was always for us to match the artwork almost li- uh. literally match the artwork. Don't use it as a kind of like starting point to to kind of like guide a 3D looking film mm-hmm. match the artwork right so like from the beginning we we that's that was like how it all happened okay. and it's it's amazing like seeing this film kind of like come out you looking at it you think oh we had this really clear plan of how it was going to happen we, we didn't have a clear plan no. it's kind of like <laughs> it evolved 
we tried stuff that didn't work. We tried other stuff that didn't work. We found some, some stuff that did work. And it kind of like, it constantly changed. It's like artwork. When you're kind of like starting an artwork, sometimes you don't have a clear idea of where you're going. Right. But you kind of like, as, as, you're, as you're working with it, you like this aspect and you go in that direction. And that's how, basically how it evolved. Like we eventually, we eventually found, found a look that works, but we tried a ton of stuff that didn't. Well, I, I mean, the look really works. I mean, it's it, visually some of the stuff I've never seen before. It's, yeah. it's and you told you gave us a head. This is going to be groundbreaking stuff, yeah. and it really yeah. is. The scene in which she is bit by the spider, yeah. and he's uh, you know doing street art with yeah. his uncle. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: who's yeah. different than we think he is, and <laughs> yeah. and uh, that is visually incredible. That scene to me, just the art. Oh, cool. Of yeah. it. I mean, is so how, like, tell us your pieces of this versus, because I'm trying to understand kind of the VFX pieces versus the animation pieces and, you know, how that all kind of works together. Uh, sure. So basically, like on any film, there's different departments. Right. Um, so on a CG film, you've got layout, you've got animation, you've got modeling, texturing. I was the... Um, co-effects supervisor on the uh-huh. show the other effects supervisor is a incredibly talented guy named dean farnsworth who, who works up in vancouver I, I worked in la so my my role in in the look of the film is i actually designed a tool to do the 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 form lines on the characters faces so when you see like oh, wow. the, the outlines on the yes. noses and the, yeah. and the and the cheat and the the jaws and the lips and like basically creating like um, line drawings that stick to the characters, uh-huh. but those line drawings have to always look like they're hand drawn, which is a huge challenge. And it does. That's exactly you, how yeah. it looks. That's one of the things yeah. that's so incredible about it. Yeah. So that was not a simple, simple exercise. So yeah, I, bet. I, I developed a tool that allowed artists to draw on on the face and then they could easily adjust those drawings as the character's head is turning or his um his his expression changes those drawings always need to be adjusted it can't just be like you you do a drawing it sticks on the face and then it looks great for the rest of the performance it has to always be kind of like moved around and nudged around so i developed a tool for that and then so so what's that tool and and how exactly so when you say draw on the face do you literally mean are they drawing onto onto an uh, something that already exists okay, okay so so what happens is um we, the animators would animate the performance right. of the character so that's a 3d 3d geometry that exists yep. that, that animation and then that would come into our department and then artists would literally get drawings draw on on top of that um in screen space so it's like it's in 2d okay so they, they do drawings on top of the like say the the jaw they d- draw a line there and then that drawing would then stick when the character moves so after they do wow. the drawing the, the drawing sticks on the face but then that, that drawing has to be adjusted. So we, the tool basically allowed the artist, after they've done the drawing, on, say on the, first, on the first frame, they go to frame 10 and they say, actually, the drawing doesn't hold up here. So I'll just n- move this area around. <laughs> and then it sticks to the face, but then it interpolates in okay. screen space. Is this like yeah. a giant tablet like uh, yeah, so we, we use wake a lot of the time a lot of artists use wacoms but some of them just did it with because it's quite it's um the drawings weren't literally like uh it's not like doing a drawing on paper mm-hmm. the drawings are lines and these lines are represented by points they're created out of points okay so all they had to worry about was moving the points around so it wasn't exactly ah, okay. like drawing traditional drawing it's kind of like hard to explain but it's like it's more like moving points around that represent lines okay yeah, it, it looks literally like someone drew this, and then it, it's it's got an incredible cool. look and feel to it. What Peter Ramsey was was producer on the film? Uh, or? Peter Ramsey was one of the directors. Okay, so we had three directors. He's and he's now the first African American to be nominated for an animated feature. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, which is I mean, again, it's right. like there's a lot going. You know, there's a lot going on with diversity here. And just, but honestly, the sto- the story is a, you know, I think people really love that, like from the kids' perspective yeah. story. I mean, look at all the things that are so popular, you know, and and revivals like Stranger Things has taken 
you know, a, a, a page from the Goonies and E.T. And, you know, right. people love that story from the kid, especially if the kid is strong and interesting and there's other supporting characters around that make him a lot more interesting. I think it's Mahershala Ali plays his uncle, his correct? Uncle, right. yeah. Uncle Aaron. yeah, that's right. And uh, so were you involved at all? Like you said that you were on in the beginning. Did they kind of sit down and, and tell you, like, how did they break down the story to you and how did that all come into it? And does that come into your mind when you're working on this or mm. how does that work? It, it's funny, like when, when you start on a project like this, a lot of the times you don't really have a very clear idea of what the story is going to be. And a lot of the times it's because they don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> so like we started this project, like I started almost two years ago. So wow. at that time okay. we, we saw when we were first introduced to the project, we saw like a, um, a rough cut that was basically like a like thumbnail sketches right. of of the film, and looking thinking back on what that rough, rough cut was, it's very different to what the film ended up being. So, although you have a gist of what the story is going to be, mm-hmm. a lot of the times things aren't as kind of like clearly planned as you you, you suspect they might be. Okay, like <laughs> looking from the outside in, you think, oh yeah, they get all these stories, they get all this technology lined up, and then they make the film. Right. It's not really true. It kind of like evolves and stuff changes yeah, and happens, is which is cool. Art, like, yeah. yeah, which is art, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think this this film more than a lot that I've worked on went through a lot of changes right at up until the last moment really which which could be part of the reason why it was such a great film you know that could be like the secret yeah. the secret be, behind making really good stuff is that you have to constantly adjust it right up till the end what well, can you say anything that was adjusted <laughs> um i have a think about it I, I, okay. nothing immediately springs to mind because i'm not really involved in that side of things right um but i know that some of the stuff that we worked on didn't make the film uh, oh, can we see it somehow? Because <laughs> I remember you talking about there was some really exciting stuff you were doing, and you weren't sure whether it was going to make the film or not. Did uh, it make so the all film? The, all the major stuff that we did absolutely made okay. the film. Yeah, there's okay. there nothing. There's nothing huge that we worked on that didn't. It's, I'm just talking about little little shots here and there right. that didn't make the final cut. But like there were there was like. Almost all the stuff that we did was in the film. Do you remember exactly what I'm referring to? There was something I remember you saying, we just did this incredible stuff today and it was so exciting. Oh, and we don't know really? if it's going to make oh, it damn, or not. I, w- I, I don't wish, know what sequence it was. I wish I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of cool stuff that we did. Um, I don't know what I did on that particular well, what's day. Your, what stands out to you as being, like when you look at it now, okay. say, that's incredible. So we- on, a, on a personal level, I'm really proud of the tool that I developed and also uh, something I didn't mention when I was explaining it to you Mm. is that there was a component of the tool that actually used machine learning oh yeah so basically what would happen is that we'd create example drawings of what the drawing should be from all the different angles of the character's face and then we use machine learning to learn what to what to do Right. Based on these examples, based on these examples, this is what the drawing should be. And then the machine learning would make a prediction when it came to a new shot. Oh, wow. Okay. It would predict like, hey, based on all the previous examples I've seen, I think the drawing should be this. And then it would make a prediction and then the artist would then could then go in and adjust it if it was wrong. Uh Usually it was like 80 to 70 to 80 percent wrong. Okay. And sometimes it was just so wrong that we didn't even use it. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) But, But... I mean, I think that to me was the on a personal level like that that's cool because it's like the first time that machine learning that I'm aware of has been used in an animated feature and I think machine learning is going to be huge like absolutely massive within the animation. Talk about that a little bit more and and as it improves I'm going to guess if you're saying 80 to 70% of it wasn't used <laughs> um, or so it wasn't quite right like so in other words are you saying that this is the beginning of what th- is ultimately going to take over? Um, I think we're going to see more examples of machine being machine learning being used to help the artistic process within mm-hmm. animation. So it's not going to take over. It's not going to be like a job killer because okay. I think it's almost it's virtually impossible like to well, with the current technology to have machines be creative right you know and this is such a creative field that i think that's one of the cool things about the field is that it's probably going to be one of the last ones to be taken over yeah, by machine learning. um but i think we will see a lot more examples of machine learning helping artists how much did how helpful is it if it's not really 
ready yet. I mean, like how much of that 20% that you got out of it was really helpful or is it re- was it really critical that 20%? Um so when when I say 20% was was useful, it's like it would make a prediction that's like 70% correct. Okay. So okay. it would it would save the artist 30%. Okay. You know. So it was it was still useful because it gave the artist a starting point. Right. And then they they wouldn't have to make as many adjustments as they as they would if they had not had the prediction to begin with at all. Right. But it wasn't it was it was rarely 100% correct. Right. Understandably. So, yeah. So um the so what, sorry what was your question about like No, just in terms of I just sort of wanted to understand where it's at right now and how helpful it really was in this process. Um, so it's a, a machine learning within the context of visual effects mm-hmm. is at its absolute infancy. Like there's, okay. there's, there's not much stuff being done with machine learning. But if you look at the application for machine learning just within um, the broader like kind of like world, it's, it's massive. And basically what machine learning does is it's a really good way of learning from example data. So mm-hmm. you, you give it examples of stuff and it finds the rules and the patterns within the data itself. Like our phones when it does predictive exactly. texting. Exactly. Like yeah. it's exactly that. So there's a lot of processes in visual effects that could be made more efficient with okay. machine learning. That's, that's what I mean. Uh, and there's also opportunity for like doing things that have never been done before with lighting models, like mm. with the way that things are being lit. And to make them look uh, more more cartoony, uh-huh. but more cartoony in a way that's based on um, how an artist would draw, okay. not based on rules that that we that um, sort of um, geeky people create. Um, that's that's the way it's being done. So, for for example, with um, shell, uh, cell shading, uh-huh. uh, cell shading is basically like um, when we take a three D what model and we try and make it look like it's two D, like right, an- right. animated in two D. That's that's. In, in a way that that's being done, the way that's being done right now isn't very interesting. But I think with machine learning, it's going to be done in a much better way. It's going to it's going to look more artistically uh, generated. Okay. So any, I, I think I think that's 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 one very small niche example of uh-huh. machine be- learning being used within visual effects. But there's going to be a ton of stuff. Is this something that? you've been working with before or is this the first time with no this, this is film? the first time on, oh. on this film that okay. uh, we, we kind of tried something like this and w- so who introduces that like who uh, i did actually you did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're yeah. like let's do this well i, I kind of we, we had the problem of like sticking the lines on, uh-huh. on on the characters and i was like hmm that sounds like a really fun problem like cause I, <laughs> I, I, I like kind of like digging in and, and solving yeah. these technical problems so even though that problem didn't technically exist, with, shouldn't have existed within my department because my department is effects. So we, we generally do stuff like simulation, smoke mm-hmm. simulation. Um, uh, the bu- buildings being destroyed, we, we simulate the st- right. that kind of stuff. And we did all of that on, on Spider-Man or like magic effects or like, you know, the collider beam when it fires off. Yes. We did, we did yeah. that whole collider beam or the multiverse. We created all, all oh, that stuff. Wow. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that traditionally belongs in effects. Whereas I kind of like took on the task myself and said I I, ra- I put I threw my hat in the ring and I oh, said okay. I think I could I think I could solve that. And you did. And I did. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. D- there's I mean you said there's like 800 people on this. It, it, talk a little bit about how how you all work together. I mean there's teams in Vancouver, there's teams yeah. here. How and how many people does it start with in the beginning? Like, how do you coordinate all of this? Um, I think Sony is, has, has a, a particularly efficient pipeline. Uh, and that's something that you Go hear. Sony. Yeah, that's something that you hear <laughs> a lot within the industry. That Sony's pipeline. When, and when I say pipeline, let me. What, what I mean is, when different departments are working, yeah, a lot of the times one department is dependent on the previous department. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we yeah. can't start effects work until animation is finished, for right. example. And animation can't start their work until layouts finished, mm-hmm. and layout can't start bet- until they have storyboards. So there's kind of like there's a step process where where one department starts, then that then that data mm-hmm. or that their their work goes to the next department, then their work goes to the next department, and it kind of like flows down. Right until you get to the final stage, and the final final department is probably compositing. Right. And, okay. And then, so w- with when when that process happens, when when work goes from one department to the next, that's called pipeline. 
So that, that whole process is called a pipeline. So getting data from the very beginning mm-hmm. right until the end is your pipeline. Okay. So Sony's got a really good pipeline. Like they, they've sorted their stuff out because of the amount of films that they've done. Right. And Sony, I think, is particularly content, um, attracts particularly technical people, perhaps. Sounds so, like it. So, yeah. So they, they, they've really sorted out that, that, that workflow. Um, and is that a- opposed to attracting – like because it's, it's interesting to listen to you talk about this – it sounds like a science project, and we're t- <laughs> and yeah. I mean that in the best way, you know, you're, yeah. like because we're talking about an extremely creative and artistic film right. with this cool story, and so I think when you know audiences see it sort of on that level, and they see sort of they resonate, you know, with the characters and everything, but what's under the hood there is like this, you know. Huge machine. Yes, yeah. huge machine yeah. with really technical, yeah, totally. scientific um, math problems yeah, yeah, to solve. Yeah, it's totally like that. Yeah, know? it's totally like that. And it's like it's funny, like going into the industry, people look at that film and they think to themselves, "Wow, I want to be in in the film uh-huh. industry." Yes. And they don't realize that the film industry is not so much. Maybe it is if you were on the story mm-hmm. side. On Sony Pictures animation side, it's kind of like more creative, like coming up with ideas, pitching ideas. Whereas if you kind of like, if you're on the side of actually making the the final product, it's very technical and it's all very, it's all very kind of, it's all problem solving, you know? So who would that attract? Like if you were mentoring a bunch of up and coming, you know, digital artists interested in getting into this, what would you say? And I know you, we talked about this on the first episode, but w- kind of repeat yourself a little bit. Like, what would you say attracted you to getting involved? And yeah. what would you say would be the kind of person to follow in your footsteps? Okay, so if someone is interested in doing... So there's different departments. Right, let's say each, yours, my department, specifically. Effects. Yeah. Okay, so I think really good effects artists are kind of a little bit OCD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they, they kind of, they love technical challenges uh-huh. and they, they, they love, um, they love doing things, thinking in a, in a way that's kind of like out of the box. And mm. I know that sounds like a cliche, but you, a lot of the times you're coming up with solutions that are not obvious. So you're not, you're not following a, a set of rules to how, how to solve a problem. You're actually inventing those rules for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're inventing those solutions for yourself. And there's a creative problem-solving kind of mindset that you get into mm-hmm. where it's like, I've got this problem. I'm not sure how to fix it. I can do this or I could do that or I could do this. And then working through all those steps in your mind and f- coming up with the most efficient solution. If you have that kind of like like that problem solving mind, I think mm-hmm. you'd be particularly good at effects. So more left brain kind of people, you think? <laughs> but there's definitely a creative there's, okay. there's definitely a creative side to it. Okay. Like you I've worked with some really techni- highly, highly kick ass technical people in mm-hmm. the past, but that's not the whole picture because a lot of the times you're given a task that's that's like oh do this magical effect mm. and then they're like oh i could do that and then they get really absorbed into the technology of what they're doing they kind of get into the technical nitty-gritty of like oh look look at how clever i'm being right and there's that real kind of i, I really don't like that within effects there's kind of like these there's a there's a kind of mentality of i'm good at this because i'm so clever i'm, oh. I'm so i'm so I'm, I'm good at this because Look at this code that I've written. It's so smart and elegant, ah. but the end result is rubbish. Oh, <laughs> and it's and it's like, well, yeah, you are clever, but what you're producing doesn't actually look very good. So you definitely ha- need to have you an need eye. to have right brain, left brain. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I I, I remember your lovely wife Scarlett uh, telling me a funny story that you did not share with us, but oh. maybe you could talk about Uh-oh. it more. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that that it, uh, she said when you were working on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and you did the pen scene, and she said you were walking around watching how water worked, and oh. you were obsessed with like this is <laughs> how does the water move and how does a drop yeah. look and 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 to me that like really kind of illustrated a lot about the way you think and the way you're you know it, it was fascinating to me because. I'm a Potterhead. I right. love Harry Potter. I love that movie. But I've never s- looked at that scene the same way when oh, I heard really? that That's story. <laughs> because I now, first of all, the pan scene is one of the great effects of Harry Potter. So good on you. Thank you. <laughs> but now that I've I watched it again, because I do that with those right. films, and 
I thought about that. I thought about that's right. You do would have to think that way when yeah, you're totally. trying to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. So, so tie that it is to this film. Is there was there something like that that you had to do sort of a similar kind of process? Yes, there was absolutely. So part of this film was okay. So on a, on a traditional CG film. When um, when you do effects work on a traditional CG film, it's it's very photorealistic. Mm. So, like smoke simulation is something that we simulate in in the application that we use, which is called Houdini. So right. we, we'd simulate smoke. It literally simulates smoke. Yeah. So there's an algorithm for kind of like making smoke like behave like smoke. Uh huh. We couldn't do that so much on this film, and huh. the reason we couldn't do that is because it wouldn't fit. Wouldn't have fit it within the style of the show. Oh. Like it's can't. We couldn't simulate a lot of the things that would um, we would do on a previous show. So we had to kind of learn a little bit more about two D two D effects. And when I say two D effects, I mean hand drawn. Okay. Okay. So like right. we, we actually worked with an amazing two um, D artist named Alex Redfish. His stuff's online. We found his stuff online. And we were all blown away by it. Mm. So we. Um, we got him involved, and he created some elements for us, to, uh, and we used those elements in the film. But uh, as well as using his elements, we also had to start thinking in like 2D effects animators, which is a completely different way of approaching. Hard. Yeah, it's a completely <laughs> different way of thinking because as 3D effects animators, what we generally do, because we're so super technical, uh-huh. is we just throw like simulation at it right. and let the simulation solve the design. Uh-huh. So there is there is no real we do tweak stuff to make it look cooler and more and more in keeping with what the director might right. want but we don't so much have to worry about what sh- how these shapes look uh, do they do they look good because that's solved by the simulation software the simulation software can 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 solve all that stuff but, but on this film it's like we couldn't just do like throw a smoke simulation at it because it would have st- stood out as being incorrect so mm. we we had to do stuff like um oh for example sparks Right, sparks in in 3D is generally just points that are simulated that have motion blur on them, mm-hmm. and that's what creates a streak. Like ah, when, when, okay. it, when a yeah, really yeah. bright dot, um, w- when the shutter's open, it bright dot travels across the shutter open. It creates a streak. Mm-hmm. So on this film, we couldn't create particles. We had to like think of how do, how do we create something that looks like a spark, but it still looks hand drawn. So we, we approached it so in a different do way. Do it. How, like we, we we generated geometry and we made the geometry look like we, we we actually built shapes that look like sparks rather than having points that are uh-huh. motion blurred. Um, we had to be really careful with how we designed how how these sparks were um, kind of emitted mm-hmm. so that they looked two dimensional. So, for example, if like a spark if a spark burst is uh, created and the spark is traveling towards spark burst is traveling towards you, mm-hmm. that looks a certain way, right? But yeah. if a spark burst is coming off to the side, it kind of looks more graphic because you can. It's kind of like right. it's got a more of a two D quality. Yeah. So things like that, we had to be really careful with how we position things in camera space mm-hmm. but to make them make sure that they felt two dimensional. And then the last another, other stuff we did was, for example, we in in. Um, we, we animated our simulations and our sparks to be on twos, which means that they update their motion every second frame, not every frame. Oh, okay. So they, they kind of like hold their, their, their motion for, for one frame. And then oh, the, for, so, so for, okay. for two frames, they, they're in the same spot and then they update. And then for two frames and then they're in the same spot and then they update. So how did you figure that out that that's what you had to do to make it? Because it, did, it didn't look good otherwise. Okay. Like we, you, we, was it trial and error? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We tried tons of stuff. And that's what I was talking about. Like that a lot of the times you're working with the pro. It's a mm-hmm. process. You're figuring stuff out on the fly. Um, we tried all kinds of things, and it, it makes sense, right? Because a lot of the times, the character, one of the, the tricks that they did in animating the character is that they animated him miles on twos, or any uh, the performances okay. on twos. So it makes sense that the effects should be should be on twos, right. but not always. It, it wasn't a hard and fast rule. Sometimes it was on twos, sometimes it wasn't. Like the character animation, it wasn't always on twos. Sometimes it was on ones. So how often are you meeting with the other teams and the directors and? So the the way it works is um, 
myself and Ian were in charge of the effects department. Uh-huh. So we would every day we have dailies, something called dailies, yep. where we would present our work. You to know the, what dailies are? <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> we would present our work to the visual effects um, supervisor. Okay, so okay. And every like second or third day, we'd present our work to the um, production designer, Justin uh-huh. Thompson, and then like, maybe once a week we'd present our work to the to the directors. So ah, it's kind of okay. like if it got through Danny. It would present be presented to um, Danny, being the visual effects supervisor. Right. If it got through the visual effects supervisor, we presented to production designer, and then if it got through him, we'd present it to the director. Okay. So it's like these multiple kind of like layers that you have to Gosh, get through. It's incredible, really. Yeah. And uh, then go ahead, no, go ahead. Yeah, and then if it got through the director, sometimes it would be shown to Chris and Phil. Okay, who were the and they were step. the producers. Yeah, who were the producers? I'm okay. Sure. Yeah. We met them at Comic Con. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, amongst our other fellow press cagers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember you sent me a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. No, I, I, it was, there was such a buzz at Comic-Con for this film. Right. And, but I honestly, I mean, and I knew it was going to do well, but when it came, the, the response it's gotten has been, and I mean, quite honestly, it's like Incredibles to the Incredibles numbers are like a billion dollars. So it hasn't like hit that's those right. numbers. I think it probably ultimately will. But it's there's something still that's just really resonating in a buzzworthy way too, and everybody's just talking about it yeah. as like this is the one that's going to win. Right. Like I think you guys are going to uh, win the Oscar. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Everyone I speak to about it like seem, seems very positive about it. Wherever I go, like if I if I mention it, it's everyone's like, yeah, I really liked that film. Everyone says that they're like, oh my gosh, I loved it because yeah. it's really. I mean, in some places, you know. It, it's almost visually like a headache. There's so much yeah. going on. Yeah. It, but because there's, it's. I find it incredible what has gone into making this and pulling it off, and and also keeping a really cool story. Because I don't think those two things always go yeah. together. Yeah, that's the cool thing about this show, right? Is that it's it's both been innovative and in the context of a really good story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things we were worried about as we were working on it is w- when you're working on a film, you don't. It's very rare that you know how good it's going to be. Yeah, people you know? say that all the time. Yeah, you, you don't know. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Right, you know when when you were talking about that scene with um, Miles and um, Uncle Aaron when yeah. they're in the graffiti room, and uh, I'm allowed to say spoilers, right? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. <laughs> so when, when when Miles gets bitten by right. this radioactive spider in that in that room. He he slapped the spider and was like, meh. Yeah. When we saw that, we saw when we were working on that sequence, we saw that in isolation. And I was like, shouldn't he be reacting that the spider's been, he's just been bitten by a spider. Yeah. This is stupid. Why is he not reacting in a kind of like yeah. bigger way? But that's the whole point. It, is a com- it was a comic moment. Yeah. You know? And when you're looking at the film, when you're looking at that shot in isolation, right. or that sequence, you don't know that. You don't, right. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the times, it's amazing how much um, music plays a part in those cues. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, and we don't have music. We don't work. Music yeah, hasn't been see, done yet. That is it. That is one of the things I always wonder because, uh, you know, People talk about this all the time, how much mu- music punctuates a film and can really change, yeah. make or break it. I mean, just look at every film John Williams and Steven Spielberg did. Right, and right. but and uh, that is something I always wonder is, and it, it also, you know, I have much more respect for what you guys do because I almost feel like there's so much of that that tells the story and you're blind without all that right, stuff. Right. So I guess that even lends itself more to the fact that you're kind of being scientists. You're, yeah. you're like, yeah. you're, you're working on, you're really breaking yeah. apart these things. I think it's also because we don't need to know a lot of those okay. things. You know, there's other people. But you that reacted are, and you thought it was yeah. stupid. No, because you're curious, right? Yeah. You're working on the show. You're spending so, you're, put, you're pouring so much of your soul into this. Right. Like I, I, whenever, any work that I do, I try and do my absolute best. I want it to be as good as I can. And, you know, I really, really care about it. So a lot of the times when you're working on it, you wonder to yourself, is this going to be successful? Or, or am I just kind of like doing this? It's, or am I going to walk away going, 
yeah, the effects were good, but the film sucked. Right. Which is an experience I've had many times. I'm not going to name which I'm not yeah. going to say which film. Okay. But that's kind of like... It's not a Harry Potter uh, film, is it? No. It's not. <laughs> that's one of the few films that I did enjoy. But yeah, so, yeah, so you're curious. Well, you wanna- one thing that we should point out is that you disclosed in our first interview Uh-oh. that you don't really like fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that's true. I was like, wait, that's, that's what? Weird, huh? yeah. So can you, are you, is that still a thing? It's still a thing. I well, just, but I, you went and saw this film. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I saw it three times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. They, and I enjoyed it. Okay. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get into fiction. I, I think I have a problem suspending my disbelief. You know? Okay. It has to Thus be the question be, of why wouldn't he react? Has to be really, really good for me to like give up that kind of like oh, there's there's a guy around the corner of this camera who's filming uh, this whole okay, thing. Okay, okay. The whole thing's a setup. The whole okay. thing's like. But, but when, when it does do happen, those things it's have amazing. to be mutually exclusive. I mean, can't you can't you still be? Because I'm that way. I'm always like, wait a minute. But I still really get excited about a story and how fun it can be, and just characters. Do you not get res- like? Do you not identify with characters ever? It's it's funny. I think maybe it's. Like, I, I actually I appreciate TV series more for okay. this because I can get into it. I can get into the characters. There's more time. To right. kind of like get into that world, maybe it's the format. Maybe films like generally too short. I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I wish I could kind of like understand it a little bit better. But I just I've never been that way. I've always been. If I have some spare time, I'd pro- I'd much rather read a, a watch a documentary or hmm. read a biography or read a book about machine learning that's pretty funny <laughs> you know but i guess it makes you great at your job well yeah. obviously because yeah. the film's great talk a little bit well this is a great lead-in after you just said you're not really into the stories but right. <laughs> you did say you liked the film uh what are some moments in it that you particularly loved and or, or were surprised by too seeing like the finished product um i was surprised how just in general, how funny the whole thing was. Yeah. You know? Like, and how much I really, really cared for Miles. I know. You do really like, care for he, Miles. It's like, when, when, we're, um, when we're working on the film, when it, I think it, like uh, uh, Phil said it, um, or I think it might have been Chris Miller, actually. He said that they chose um, Shamik Moore because he was such a nice guy and so lovely to work with. He's just like deeply, like, a good person. Uh-huh. And I think that comes across. In, yeah, it does. Like yeah. when, when, and it's funny. Like after I heard that, uh, we had our rap party, mm-hmm. and our rap party was in um, L.A. And Shamik Moore was there. Oh, and I, I just thought that is so sweet for, for a for him he to be there. He plays Miles Morales for yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, a for him to be there and b he was like he was on the dance floor dancing with us. Oh, that's great. It's just like that is such so cool. He was like, cool at the Comic Con panel. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he he seemed very genuine and really happy to be there. Right. Like he right. felt like he like there is something I'll tell you. You can't get this past Comic Con people. Like if you're someone who believes in the universe or believes in the power of the Comic Con kind of story, like and you're there and you're into it. It you know it it, it comes out of you. You see it. Oh, because right. pe- there's there's a lot of celebrities that show up in Hall H to plug things, right? And sometimes, and you know, you know it when they have no connection. Oh, I see to this right. in the same way that we all do, right? And he really, it, he was extremely respectful to the property and the universe and everybody involved, and it just kind of it, it poured out of him. You could feel right. it, yeah. So that doesn't surprise me, yeah. And I think it kind of like it comes across how how, how sweet a guy that guy he is. Yeah, in, in I Miles, mean, th- I, in the way he portrayed Miles, you do. It's funny that they made you know that the Peter Parker character. It's Peter Parker from a different universe, um, and although the Peter Parker in his universe has a, a, sa- spoiler, a, a spoiler alert, alert a bummer <laughs> of a fate, but uh, which is sort of wh- where Miles kind of takes over, but. The other Peter Parker, played by Jake, I am forgetting his last name. Uh, Johnson? No. Yes. Jake Johnson. I believe yeah. it is Jake Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was also a Comic-Con. And, you know, that was interesting because 
that Peter Parker is kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's sort of like not the <laughs> like he's not what we want him to be. Right, you know, right. and obviously that was yeah. that that made Miles more likable. You know, right. I see why they had to do that, but I grew up with Peter Parker. And I love Peter Parker. And I'm still, I mean, as far as from the movies go, I still like the Tobey Maguire ones. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I lo- like Peter Parker was someone you just loved. Right. Okay. And he was someone you might have gone to high school with. And he got bullied and then he got strong, you know, like. And so that was a little hard for me, seeing Peter Parker as kind of a jerk in a way. The down now. Right. right, but down and out, but also kind of snarky. And but I realized, sort of, it, it didn't take long for me to snap out of it because Miles was so likable. Right, right. And you have to kind of take yourself out of that traditional. Like what I think that the the writers and the filmmakers did so beautifully with this is that they honored Spider Man, but they took it out of the universe for people who maybe didn't know the whole universe and still made you love Peter Parker and the origins and everything like that. They gave it. And I think it is all about miles and that performance and the way it was written and just everything, you know, right? right. I kind of, it's really, it's, it's surprised me how much I like this film. I knew I was going to like it because I, I knew I was going to, think that the vfx were great and the animation was great but i was surprised me how much i really loved the story right right yeah when, when I, the first time i saw it i was i saw it with my my wife and my son and about i don't know 20 minutes into the film i turned to scarlet and i said this is really good yeah like, this is really that's what fun Jake and i did we looked at each other this is really good it's really fun and i so rarely have that moment yeah particularly on films that i work on like that's uh, so, awesome. I so rarely have that moment. So this one's been been really special in so many ways for that for that reason. Yeah, I I, I really do hope you guys win the Oscar. I think that you will. I don't want to jinx it, but I yeah, think that I, so. I know your big competition's Incredibles, right? Yeah, Incredibles that or Isle of Dogs. I mean, eh, Wes, Wes, Anderson. Wes Anderson doesn't need another Oscar, <laughs> does he? he? He's got his own thing going he's got a few oscars what yeah. what were the producers and directors like to work with they were great yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the thing i loved about the show is how open everyone was to the experimentation and the process mm-hmm. and how willing they were for us to come up with our own solutions mm-hmm. and our own ideas for things so that whole you know uh, another another big thing that i kind of like played a part in was the the um the multiverse Oh, so the right. design of the multiverse which is, is like, so cool <laughs> yeah so we we kind of like we would we just riffed and we they came they, they gave us some reference of stuff that they thought was cool mm-hmm. and then we came back with stuff that we thought was cool mm-hmm. and then a lot of the times what would happen is we we do a a test of the effect that we thought looked cool and they they take it and they draw do drawings on top of it and uh-huh. say okay it would be cooler if it was did this or something like that yeah and then we come back and it would be it would be it was very much a two-way kind of like process that's great yeah and the the um yeah so that everyone was really cool to work with for, for, it was a really special project in that way were the did the animation team that you know of have a similar kind of thing going on with than you did where they had to solve problems and particularly because this was a different kind of animation so, than we've seen before yeah, absolutely so one of the things about this film is it doesn't have motion blur so you, yeah. you know you know yeah. that that is right so it, well, tell everybody what that is. So basically, when you have an object that's moving really quickly through mm-hmm. frame, it gets streaked because of the nature of like how film works. The shutter is open, and then the the object moves through an open shutter, so it creates like a motion blur yep. effect. So things streak. So usually that's really, really desirable because if you don't have that, things can look very steppy. Mm-hmm. It's like they they kind of like strobe across the frame. So animation had to do a lot of work to prevent strobing hmm. and what they did they, they did stuff that n- no one has done before like so they, they say they have an arm and then the arm is moving through space they'd create copies of that arm so it's kind of like fake like a motion wow. blur so they'd be like if you if anyone's ever got to get the dvd if you pause on certain frames where there's a lot of fast mo- mo- moving motion of a mm-hmm. character if you pause on a frame you'll see there's, there, there's sometimes copies of like three limbs oh, or wow. four limbs with lines in between them mm-hmm. so they, that's kind of like a convention that animation just had to come up with to solve the motion blur problem. that's very cool 
Yeah. So that, that's one example. Uh, and I, the other thing that animation did is they, they did a lot of line work using their own tool to express emotion. So if mm-hmm. there was like a frown or something, they, they, they were in charge of creating lines that were, um, that were linked to performance. So how does that? So then they do that. Then what do you do on top of that? The, so we, what you we, were talking we did, about. We did lines that were kind of created that were defined form. Okay. So th- those lines didn't weren't linked to performance. Okay. So we didn't need to change those. We always knew what the, the right, what, what those rules were for creating those lines. Mm-hmm. So we very we didn't have to. It's part of a pipeline decision because when animation is selling their um, selling their work, they need to present the how it's going to look to the directors and we as a department couldn't be involved in that because that would create a big bottleneck in the pipeline yeah so they had to take care of those lines like themselves within their department and get approval so then it would come <laughs> to us lines yeah we're talking about lines on a yeah. face yeah. that define a performance well it's it's important right because yes. it, it expresses, no, it expresses an emotion and you can't have another department involved in that because say the director says oh i don't like the way that line's working then it would have to go loop back to our department Wow. Rather than staying within the animation department, which is what you want. Well, I just find this, it makes me feel how underrated animation is. I I mean, when you break it down like this, you think about the actors, but like literally we're talking about making something work, like the intricacy of one line on on a face. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it can be overstated how big a, a, an undertaking this is. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people appreciate how much work goes into the stuff. And like that's just one department, yeah. one example. Like I have such a huge amount of respect for Danny um who's the visual effects supervisor mm. and Justin who's the production designer because they every day would show up to work and every day they would look at almost every frame of that film. Wow. And go oh, wow. this, and and they 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 go. Oh, we need a highlight here to make it look nicer, or mm-hmm. we, this shadow is too dark. Make it add some blue to it, or and it was so highly highly art directed, which is what makes it look so cool. Because it's not like oh, you would slap in some lights, yeah, and it looks photo real. Yep, done, and that's a cookie cutter kind of like um, cookie cutter like pipeline where it's like yep, put in the lighting rig, it looks cool. It wasn't like that. So like almost every single shot ha- had to be like ch- touched up or changed to make sure that it worked in 2D. So then why are animated films delegated only to the animated car- a category at award shows versus like the breakdown like all the other films have? Well, that, I, I, I don't like know. Production I, I think, design and, you know, all of these things. I, th- I think there's a general sense... The animations are kind of like cartoons, you know? They're kind of like not as respected as films. Well, they should be. Yeah. and Especially from a money perspective alone. Yeah, they make right. more money than, a, than right. other films. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we're going right now, we're in a golden age of animation for sure. Yeah. Like, Did you say goblin or golden? Golden. Okay. Golden age. Golden. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the new one for no, me. No, no. A goblin. A is that like a new level? <laughs> like it's gold, platinum, goblin? <laughs> no, no. Golden age for animation. Yeah. There's so much cool stuff being done. There's so much technology uh, advancements. Do you think that it's a golden age for respect of animation? Or are you just talking from your side of the story? Like the... I, I guess I'm just talking about the amount of animation work that's being done, okay, and the amount of um, co- the, the quality of the animation yeah. and how 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 much it's matured. The three D three D animation hasn't matured, right? The thing that's cool about Spider Man is that it's kind of like it's going. It is three D, but it's kind of like going looking back on the tradition of two D mm-hmm. a little bit more. So it's it's kind of like it's changed the medium a little bit. You know, yeah, it's like. We're no longer. A, I'm hoping this will be the case. I'm hoping this will be this is the start of animated films that don't just stick to the looking like Pixar films. Yeah, and and Pixar films are cool, but it is yeah. Like I, I always am 
that's a thing that for years, you know, all f- Disney films just look like Disney films. Yeah. And, and it hasn't changed much. No, really I mean, hasn't. It, it yeah. has, it, it's gotten better. The look has gotten... Yeah. And when I say better, I mean the look has gotten more photoreal, mm-hmm. which is something that I kind of slightly object to, that photoreal has kind of almost become synonymous with quality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... I, and, I, and I think it's great that Spider-Man has kind of shown that a film doesn't have to be photoreal to look cool. Yeah. It and can, if you guys win the Oscar, that's going to uh, be a big statement. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the main reason I'm hoping we win the yeah. Oscar, that we can continue to push the medium. Because there's more that, that, there's way more that can be done with 3D mm-hmm. than looking like photorealistic kind of like Pixar films. We can push yeah. it, particularly with machine learning, like I was kind of like alluded to earlier, we can push it to make it look so much more interesting than what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I really hope that that continues. Me too. Well, what do you see as the future of, you know, give your, put your Nostradamus cap on and, and talk about where you see animation going? Um, I'm hoping that it'll, it'll become more experimental, like hmm. what we consider experimental. What would that mean? Um, more, more risks are taken with okay. the look of animation, like, like the kind of risk that we took with um, Spider-Man. I'm hoping we'll look back in like, five years time and think wow we were really conservative huh. with spider-man you know i'm hoping that we will kind of like we can push it so it's like it's even more 2d even more hand-drawn yeah. or like we, we it looks like there's all kinds of ideas i have uh-huh. um which i'll probably i won't get into right now but maybe at some other point okay part um, three yeah part three. <laughs> but yeah I, I think we can do a lot more okay where so a little bit of part three like where, where do you where do you go next can you talk about your next project uh, yeah sure my, my next project is a film called mitchell's versus the machines okay um so i'm the effects supervisor on that as well uh the um, and that's with sony image works it's sony image works also and it's a it's going to be produced by chris and phil as well so oh great yeah so it's another one where we are going to push the boundaries. Nice. Yeah. So it's not going to look to, it's still going to have a 2D quality look to it, uh-huh. which I'm super excited about. Is this yeah. an original story or? It is. Yeah. It's written by um, um, one of the guys that worked on Gravity Falls, John. Oh, I sh- I'm sorry. I've forgotten his name. But um, yeah. So it's, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, those guys from Gravity Falls are involved. Okay. In yeah. So um yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be working on another film that's kind of like pushing the envelope. That's great. Yeah, because that's what I get really excited about. Yeah. I get really excited about the idea of doing stuff that hasn't been done. I don't, well, don't, don't want to just like do the same thing again and again and again. And it's so, so much of like, uh, so much of the last few years in CG has felt like that. Like, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's, to me, that's what was so exciting about this. It was different. Yeah. And I want to see things that are different. You, there's something, you know, and I don't know if you agree or have seen this or not, but there's a, you know, Netflix um, version of Castlevania. Have you seen any of that? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, the I, I don't want to say the animation looks particularly different than anything else, but to me there was something about that that was also pushing limits. Oh, okay. And, and different and really that... Got, and I, maybe it's the story, but I got really excited by that. And I do, I do agree with you. There's a lot of things going on in animation right now that we should be taking notice of, right. and and treating with a little bit more respect. I think, yeah, because it's not just you know, hey, it's a Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, and let's all clap. This is like really groundbreaking stuff. Yeah, and no, I, th- I think one of the things that Spider-Man in particular has shown is that, and you can create a film that is appealing to all kinds of. Uh, the age of all kinds of audiences. Absolutely, right? yeah. Right? There's some really like dark themes in, in it that kind of like that were just really powerful. Yeah, no, it hit a lot of nerves for a lot yeah. of people in good ways and bad ways and all ways. I mean, yeah. that's what you want to do with art. You want to push it, you know? Yeah, totally. So I, I think that's a good place to end it. And uh, thank you very much to Pav Grahola for being here. He's the VFX lead on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And this is Sarah Mason with the HMC Network. Please stay tuned for part three and uh, <laughs> more with Pav. And go see Spider-Man. This is a great film. And really good luck with at the Oscars. I hope you guys win. Well, thank you very much, sir. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for being here. All right. See you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>